Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts Couch to 80k Writing Bootcamp Week 7, Reflections. So I, I wish I hadn't chosen as flouncy a name as Reflections for these little journal entry episodes, but I'm committed now and far be it from me to monkey around with the naming metric this late in the day. Nonetheless, this is an episode you can listen to whether you're taking part in the Writing Bootcamp or if you're not, it's absolutely non-mandatory as well. I'm, I'm just getting some thoughts out, which if I tried to stuff into every episode would make them all unmanageably big. They're quite rambly and huge as it is. So as I work through this whole Couch to 80k writing boot camp, uh, stuff occurs to me. I'm learning all the time through the process of having to articulate my thoughts on writing out loud to people who don't necessarily know them. I've got to work out what I think and I'm doing a lot of the exercises myself and I'm working on my own writing and so episodes like this are just my chance to catch up with myself and if some of it is helpful to you in your writing so much the better but as always be warned I've made a couple of notes but this is very much off the dome as they say in the freestyle rap community of which I am not a member so it's likely to be discursive and incomplete and as much as I will try to be vaguely entertaining and give you some things of value here be dragons. That's my standard warning. This is very much a bonus episode for certain values of bonus and as such does not represent the usual levels of quality I've striven so hard to associate with the Death of a Thousand Cuts brand. This is Mr Bojangles in his pissed as a fart washed up drunk tank phase. And if you enjoy the shambolic charm concomitant to such a shit show, then I beckon you with eggy breath into my dishevelled caravano musings if you'd prefer to keep the myth of me as a reasonably coherent sayer of words alive in your head and uh, not see the uh, drab shadow of a man I've become then friend be free um I respect your decision so I'm just going to take a sip of water which gives it a, a, a pleasingly uh, freestyle and informal quality, doesn't it? It's like a fireside chat. Right, so this final week that we're about to launch into, I don't know what time you're listening to this. I mean, obviously later than I'm recording it because that's how uh, recording and time works. But um, at the time of recording, I've just finished recording week seven and I'm about to launch into uh, recording the final week of the bootcamp, week eight. The final week is going to be all about writing. It's actually one of the easiest for me to record and one of the hardest for any of you that are doing it to uh, go through. Uh, well, is it the hardest? I'm not sure it is, actually. I don't think that's that's fair at all because it's it's certainly one of the most... involves the most writing. Uh, you know, I'm going to step back a little bit and give you time to write. And as a, as a tutor, I always feel weirdly guilty about those moments because it feels like I'm taking the piss. Uh, I think... Yeah, and, and, you know, and there's an element, because it is really easy, right, to be a tutor and go, right, you've got X amount of time to do some writing. Off you go. Because then I don't have to do anything. I can I can just piss about. Um, and I, I, I always feel guilty. I feel like I'm shirking when I'm doing that. But actually, it's really important. And if you don't give people to time to write in a writing workshop and you just talk, trying to give them loads of value, you know, you pack stuff in. This is always my thing. I want to kind of give them as much information and knowledge as I can, tell them about you know, books that they might want to read, tell them about uh, different uh, creative writing, compositional principles, you know, to load them up with all these different uh, bits of food for thought and ideas and everything I can think of. But <laughs> but um, you need time to write. And, you know, like I say, I think some of that guilt is justified because in creative writing pedagogy as a, you know, as something that's taught, the workshop model, where 
students bring in you know three students bring in an extract of their work and then the group discusses it it is so light on work for the tutor running it as as to be you know the tutor's presence is almost unnecessary and i do think there's a sort of i would like the world of creative writing pedagogy and and creative writing ma's to maybe examine that and ask themselves whether creative writing tutors aren't feckless shirkers who are completely taking the piss because i think well the reason we've kind of we kind of settled on that and then never really opposed it as a as a model of how to teach creative writing and maybe that's super convenient right because loads of creative writing tutors aren't there because they want to be it's because they're not making enough money out of their uh literary fiction and so they want to do something to uh to make up the shortfall in their income now there's nothing wrong with that but then i think if you're going to do it you should be fucking good at your job and that means turning up and putting in a lot of effort and I'm not sure the workshop model on its own is enough uh, which is why you know I'm doing what I'm doing and it's why I'm kind of trying to give you lots of exercises rather than you just writing your own work and, and bringing it to a group I think it's important that you're challenged and stretched and uh, made to write uh, in in ways and on subjects that you wouldn't normally that's how you grow as a writer and if you're not challenged in that way that I'm not, I'm, you know, I've done a creative writing MA myself at UEA and I found elements of it really helpful. It wasn't necessarily that good for someone writing genre fiction because uh, it definitely has a bias towards literary fiction. It's not that good if you're doing plot based stuff because it, the workshop model can't really handle plots in any coherent way. You, because you hand in 5,000, like a 5,000 word extract, it's really good if you're writing lots of set PC kind of, uh, uh, you know a, a literary story with lots of beautiful set pieces but no you know they could almost be in any order it doesn't really matter it's great for that it's very difficult to assess how a plot hangs together when people never see the whole thing and they never see a large portion of it we just see this tiny little sliver of it um i got slightly off the point but you know i did warn you that that was what's going to happen um uh I, I just think uh it's important uh that you get that time to write and uh, the whole seven weeks leading up to this has been laying the groundwork to that. So you hopefully, if you do already write, um, it's sort of in, in challenging some of the habits you may have formed and reinventing the way you think about your own writing. And if you haven't written, then it's it's sort of set the groundwork with some good habits already. But it just just so I, I just wanted to kind of uproot some of the negative things you may be doing, that some of the self-limiting beliefs that may be stopping you from writing or, or maybe limiting how much writing you can get done or maybe just make, you might get your writing done but just feel shit about yourself when you do it. And, and it's all about just kind of taking a rake over the great garden of your creativity, pulling up all the stones and uh, making sure that it's, ready to yield a uh, I'm not I'm going to stop that metaphor there you get the idea but just you know I just wanted to get things established and get you feeling good about yourself before we go into this final week of actually turning up and writing without turning this final week the week eight isn't going to be a grind I'm not setting it up as kind of like now the real work begins it's not about that at all and in fact the whole idea of calling it a boot camp you know it, it sounds quite cool and maybe it appeals to that part of us that's invested in the in the in the crushing work ethic and feeling guilty if we're not being hardcore and maybe that's you know part of my uh, fragile masculinity that I called it that and uh, not what it is which is more of a kind of writing retreat stroke gentle non-creepy 
consensual writing massage that slowly lets you unwind, works the knots out and gets you ready to write in a way that makes you feel good. Because that, if, if it's not making you feel good, then I think there's ways of assessing it to try and help you with that. I was going to say, if it's not making you feel good, there's no point in doing it. I don't believe that for a second. And I think just like doing exercise, there'll be sometimes where you don't feel like it. And there'll be sometimes when you're in the process of doing it, there'll be elements of it that are not enjoyable. But it doesn't have to be from start to finish an intrinsically unenjoyable experience, which I think a lot of authors, secretly or not so secretly, believe that is a limiting belief. And it makes them feel guilty when they enjoy it because it, they think, well, it must be being I must be writing complete shit. Um, so uh, I've been uh, a little update on how I'm doing. I've been keeping a, 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 a my wall calendar has been, uh, I've been keeping it going. I don't know why I'm turning around to see it. I know it's here. I'll just take it off the wall. I've got a little, um, you can't see it, but I've got a little uh, uh, wall calendar hung up of, uh, of guinea pigs. And I've been noting down every day, I note down, whether I've meditated, whether I've done exercise, whether I've taken a cold shower um, and whether I've done any writing. And I also note on there, and this is not going to be relevant to you, I also know if I've had a panic attack that day, none yet this year, which is really good for me. But so I've been noting down every day that I do at least 10 minutes writing and I go, I go writing. So I've gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days. And then I stopped and that was... I can't remember why I didn't do that. Something got in the way. And then one, two, three, four days. And then yesterday I didn't because flu hit our house. And that's one thing I wanted to... The reason I bring that up is not to just go, look, I've written some of the days of this year. I've written most of the days of this year so far, though. And also that is not usual for me. And I think it shows that this technique works, right? I feel great and I don't feel bad. I don't feel downhearted by the days I've missed out because, you know, I'm just looking at... I'm just taking a you know I'm taking an average and the average is I'm fucking crushing it and I'm crushing it because I'm not pressuring myself to write a certain amount each day I've gone over 10 minutes each of those days uh, a, a lot of those days I've written more than 10 minutes voluntarily but I only have to write 10 minutes to hit target and so it mean feel I feel like I'm overachieving which is a great it's a great fucking feeling um but you know, you will have things like getting the flu. You will have a cold. And if you've set yourself a rigid target of um, writing every single day, if you've set yourself a target going, I'm going to exercise every day, I'm going to write every day, I'm going to do all these things, it's gonna, it'll feel great at first, right? When you do those first few days and you're eating well and you're doing all these different things, it will feel super good. Uh, and it will make you feel that it's the thing to do. Because you'll feel in control. But there's a kind of, there's a brittleness to that control. You're controlling by kind of holding both fists tightly. You know, you're gripping on. And then something will get in the way. Some life event, you just get poorly or whatever. And you cannot maintain, you cannot maintain the system through that. And so it breaks down. And there will always be excuses, exceptions, things that, you know, uh, and, you know, legitimate reasons. And then once you've done them, then it kind of breaks that grip and you, you know, you had a legitimate reason you were feeling ill and then one day you'll just be feeling a bit tired and then slowly it will, it, it will melt that kind of, that routine and then you'll feel shit and then you'll conclude that you couldn't, you didn't have the willpower to do it. And you do, you just don't make it a set of manacles for yourself, uh, make it a set of bonuses a set of reinforcements that make you feel good about yourself not a set of commandments that you have to fulfill just to hit target 
make it something that you can excel at make it something that you can break that's what i've been doing and it's worked really well for me um where am i with my writing at the moment well i've got one uh novel in the can submitted uh and i'm waiting to hear back from my publishers whether they like it or not so fingers crossed with that that's a sequel to the honors i think i've mentioned that before so i'm just waiting to see whether they like it, to see whether it's shit or not. Um, I'm doing my daily writes. Uh, I'm wrestling at the moment in my daily writes. I've been doing in, I've been doing them all in longhand, like I suggested you did. I've got this lovely uh, black and red Oxford A4 hardback journal that I write in in pen every day. It's the first time in years I've been writing in longhand. It feels great. I'm really loving it. Um, and it means anything that I use out of there, um, I'm going to have to type up, which introduces a sort of uh, sneaky round of editing and redrafting when i when i do that it's which is you know nice and you know you've got it then two formats a kind of like longhand for, format and then writing it typing it up there's a kind of an estrangement of having it in your handwriting and then putting it on the screen that helps you see it anew and uh, see things in it that you might not have otherwise seen and that really helps with the editing process um not that i think when i type it up that would be like anywhere near a final draft typing this is like a proto draft in here and then and then there'll be first draft and i'm writing all out of sequence at the moment um i'm kind of like the two things i've been writing are two ideas that sort of take up adjacent territory uh they both involve an a necromancer slash dark lord uh and I, I can feel the anxiety rising i've not known precisely where i'm going which of these i'm going to use i'm going to mash the two together can they be separate stories to either of them work i i don't know and um i i know that that anxiety is a a bad thing to follow and indulge so i'm just going to keep exploring that's you know i i i recognized it my anxiety about these things doesn't go away and i i should say you know doing the boot camp it won't stop these feelings and the these negative thought patterns from attempting to manifest uh, it just allows you to recognize them and, and recognizing them is half the battle you know when you see them uh, they they lose a lot of their power so i'm I'm just going to keep exploring and sort of feeling my way through and intuiting i'm doing you know short writing sessions i'm jumping between key scenes in either book to sort of see what the big set piece the big set pieces i've got in my head i'm just gonna i'm just jumping ahead and writing them right it, even without having the groundwork to really do them justice doesn't matter i'm just doing these rough sketches to see what they suggest about the the plot arc you know what are the key conflicts in those scenes because that suggests a lot about what the book's about itself and and that you know what is most interesting in the scene and sometimes i realize something in in the writing of the scene i go hey here'd be a cool twist oh nice and then i kind of want to go back and adjust so i've got no overall story arc yet but i've got some ideas of key scenes that i'm jumping into straight away and that feels good and it feels satisfying and i feel much less pressure than i normally do uh, whether that produces you know great writing in the end remains to be seen but again the fact that i'm asking that question is another little bit of my anxiety going well and it's kind of like you know it's tapping its watch it's you know it's wrapping a pen against the uh, the, the the productivity graph on the wall saying where are you here um and that, do, that kind of doesn't matter to me. I think it's much more important and you'll be much more productive if you just allow these things to come. And I'm just making sure every day my job is to turn up and do a bit of writing, whatever it is. And it's hard. Like, of course, we crave certainty. You crave certainty, I'm sure, in your writing. But, but certainty is antithetical to creativity. I mean, well, to backtrack a little bit, that's not quite right. 
Some restrictions are, of course, really conducive to creativity. They create rules which allow for games and, and games and play. That's creativity, right? That's the joy of creating. Um, but doubt? Possibility. Possibility is just another way of expressing this idea, this concept of uncertainty. As soon as you flip around uncertainty to possibility, it suddenly, suddenly sounds all right, right? You know, I don't know whether one day I might write a brilliant book. You know, you don't know whether one day one of these ideas that you've got might turn into a bestseller, might be, turn into this book that is loved by thousands and thousands of people. It's possible, right? I might, you might. That's all uncertainty. That's that's what uncertainty allows. So, so becoming comfortable with uncertainty can do so much work for you because it allows you to exist in this incredibly fertile and rich space. And that's not just... Uh, you know, empty boosterism, air punching bluster. I really genuinely believe that. Now, the fact that I believe it doesn't make it true, of course, um, you know, by all means, apply your own scepticism, test this. But I think this isn't advocating you lead with your chin. It's not advocating recklessness. But a certain tolerance for uncertainty, I think, is a very good quality in an author, I think it's going to make your books much more exciting and much more rich, much more unpredictable, much more original than if you are desperate about nailing every butterfly to the table, right? So, so I, th I think it can do, and it just helps your head, it helps your heart, and it can make you happier and I think it's good for the craft. Now the publishing world and, and the reading public can seem like capricious gits at the best of times so I think it helps to have some internal more solid reason for writing than their approval because it gives you at least in the middle of that uncertainty some kind of north star, some kind of something to wish upon, something to follow, some kind of guidelines. I'm not against those things but I think they they're best if they're if you're the best, more internal they can be, I think the more comforting and reliable they can be without restricting you, without to causing you to ossify. Um, I can't tell you what yours is, what your motivation might be. You know, I talked a little bit about extrinsic and uh, uh, intrinsic motivation last time. And again, like I say, it's a balance. You, I don't think you can really realistically have one without the other. Uh, not with not without you know if you're writing for an audience if you're trying to uh, put yourself through the rigor and discipline of writing a a book that isn't self-indulgent shit then you do want some extrinsic goals right you want readers to like it um but you know having when you sit down each morning or afternoon or whenever your writing session is uh having some kind of sense of a, you know just a gentle kind of why that sits in your heart or your gut or your head that helps guide you um I think that's really important and I can't tell you what yours is because if I didn't it wouldn't be yours and the kind of like reaching for that and the searching for it I think is part of what makes it meaningful to you right um and and don't get me wrong I don't want to like I think it's bullshit like if, if, if you if you talk too much about these kind of intrinsic goals or kind of like hey you should just be following your own march to the beat of your own drum man or just like write because it moves you uh I think as a writer, I often feel I'm made to feel quite guilty by those things because I think, well, I, I want, I want money and I want approval of other human beings. Oh my gosh, I'm so vain, I'm so shallow, and I don't think that it makes you vain or shallow to be attracted by those ideas. So don't let yourself be shamed into thinking, why aren't I this pure spiritual kind of like this 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 monkish figure who who simply 
is like pursuing this path of personal excellence and self-perfection. Don't be silly. You're allowed to want those things. And why not? You deserve good things in your life and happiness and you deserve success and you deserve, you know, prosperity. I don't have a problem with any of those. I want to feel legitimate and validated. I think those are two big motivations for me. Uh, I, I, I want to feel like a legitimate writer and I want to feel validated by other human beings. I think those are really, really, you know, fundamental feelings that a lot of human beings experience it doesn't make you an idiot for having those things but I'm not sure that those things are good reliable motors for producing captivating stories and this is the difference I think you can recognize them and honor those things in yourself and uh, not criticize yourself for them and love yourself um, while having those feelings but I'm not sure that they're the things that you should be using as carrots to kind of like pull yourself through the process of writing a book especially as their end goals and you'll want to get to those end goals as fast as possible. And so, you know, working through your novel, you might, they might not help you in the moment. They won't help you when you face dis- difficulties. In, 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 okay, Tim. Yes. I had, a, I had a little bit of a stammer there, but I'm back. Uncertainty can feel like a threat to both of those things. So my suggestion is aim to hit just seven consecutive days of writing at least 10 minutes a day that's like a first goal right Uh, because I think once you do that after a few days of that you just start to feel it's like a a little warmth in your belly or your heart on your head you just you this internal sense of legitimacy and validation and it's just a much more stable it's a much more gentle thing and then other folks approval seems much less relevant because if you're just turning up and you're accepting yourself and you are writing that's all the fucking legitimacy you need trust me that's all the legitimacy you need and wanting it from other people i just think you start to realize that it's not something they can really bestow because you know which you only have to look at how many authors or anyone in the arts or anyone in any job starts to feel this kind of sense of imposter syndrome or fraudulence where they go well, all these people think i know what i'm doing i don't know what the fuck i'm doing well, so all those people are bestowing uh, or attempting to bestow they, they're looking on this person and going you are legitimate i think you are you know i'm validating you as a writer as a ceo as a uh, as a mother whatever that you do you know if you feel like an imposter if you don't have an internal sense of legitimacy then and you don't validate yourself through just looking at what you do and giving yourself credit. And, and of course, turning up. If you're procrastinating so much that you don't do any writing, then people saying, wow, you're a great writer, will make you feel hugely fraudulent because you know you're not writing. Um, but it will just bounce off you and it won't hit you at all. And it'll actually make you feel worse if you don't accept yourself. Uh, and that's not me being cheesy. I think it's just, it's just a fact, right? Uh, and by the same token... If you're turning up and you're doing the work and you're writing, you know, 10 minutes a day and you've done that for seven days, then actually you just realise, well, how no, no one else's opinion matters uh, one hot shit to me because I'm turning up. I know I am. I've got evidence. And so who gives a fuck what other people think? Fuck them. Like They don't know. They don't know. They've got less experience than you. They, they've got less insight than you because you know because you've turned up and you're doing it. That's all it is. That's all it is. So so that's my suggestion. Like. I, and I just want to, one of the, I, the other day, right, I was thinking, 
about D&D. I, a few years ago, I got into Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I became a bit of a Dungeons & Dragons geek, despite for all of my life uh, before that, not ever playing it once. Uh, I kind of got, got drawn into the cult. And um, I, it, I, I know this is... Uh, <laughs> This is going to seem like a weird digression, and it probably is, but there was an analogy that kind of came to my mind, and you know, as I've you know, you know been working on this course and play it, working through D and D, and I've you know I play in a game and I run a few sessions as well now, and um, I've been having a think about writing a novel and experience stroke level up systems in Dungeons and Dragons, and the two might not seem related, but in a weird way, I think they are. So you've come with me this far. If you can stand it, bear with me a little longer. So if you've never played Dungeons & Dragons or a video game with an XP mechanic, that's an experience mechanic before, um, as your characters go through their adventures, they grow stronger and eventually they level up. So they hit a threshold where their abilities suddenly improve. The statistics and all the maths that are in the background that govern how hard they hit, how powerful their spells are, uh, all the tricks they know, uh, how good they are at convincing people and stuff, they all, they all get jumped up a kind of stage, okay? Now, there are two broad ways uh, dungeon masters or DMs handle this. Now, either you give players experience points for every foe they defeat, every trap they disarm, uh, every person they convince, etc., or you simply allow them to level up when they complete certain chunks of the adventure, which is referred to as uh, story advancement levelling up. So recording XP for every achievement uh, as the party goes through it feels quite crunchy and granular and rigorous to spreadsheet nerds. Um, but in practice, story advancement level ups reward big developments in the plot they slot nicely into the hero's rest time so you know they come back from the dungeon and they go to sleep and they wake up and a few days have passed and you let them level up and so the idea is that they've had a chance to rest to reflect on their experiences and oh they've got a bit stronger that kind of makes in-world sense right and, and, and also that system requires less work you don't have to you don't have to catalogue every uh, kobold they stab through the head you just just say okay you've got back you saved uh you you found the treasure you killed the dragon you level up you're now more powerful and i think if you were asked players whether they'd prefer recorded experience points or story advancement level ups i suspect all but the most gnarly grognards would say they didn't mind adventures are balanced in such a way that you'll probably level up around the same point using either system anyway so does it even matter uh, for most of you who don't play Dungeons and Dragons, of course, the answer is, fuck no, Tim, why are you telling me this? Bear with me a little longer. You know, is recording experience just a placebo to satisfy dungeon masters who like the feeling of a robust mathematical system underpinning their imaginary, imaginary fantasy hack and slash? Or, and what the heck does this have to do with writing a novel, right? That is the reason that you're here. That's the reason I'm talking to you now. Well, with any gaming system, I think it's worth thinking about what you're actually rewarding with your uh, bonuses and your incentives and your open brackets uh, open bunny quotes ludic goals close bunny quotes um now not that all players will uh, ruthlessly optimize their play to exploit the system but it exerts uh, a subtle pressure you know the things that you're rewarding and uh, disincentivizing uh, and it's almost like an ideology uh, of any gaming system and it pushes the players 
silently and subconsciously in a particular direction. Now, if you've ever played D&D or any game that uses a level-up system, you'll know that levelling up feels like a big reward in game terms. One of the biggest the game offers. You get more powers, more options. Between level and 1 and 2 in Dungeons & Dragons, your character effectively doubles in strength. It's really satisfying. The story advancement system rewards players for forwarding the plot. Every time they advance the plot, they get this lovely little injection of of power and character growth and they can do more shit so you know capture the bandit leader route the invading hobgoblins rescue the burgrave's infant son get the job done and you get a big old injection of level up steroids whoosh it's great right now the experience point system rewards players just for doing stuff regardless of whether it furthers their progress towards their overall goal or not so if they stumble into a cavern and fight some gremlins they get some experience if they set off a pit trap and spend half an hour scrambling out more experience story advancement level ups reward focus on an end result experience point level ups reward exploration Uh, This can have some unintended effects on player behaviour, even if they're not consciously chasing their next level up. With story advancement level ups, every battle that the players get into, except with the final boss, every room they explore that doesn't lead to the last one, actually takes them further away from their goal. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's true if you think about it, right? Because the players have finite resources. If you haven't played D&D, you won't know, but like uh, spells that wizards have um, once that spell's used uh, you can't use it again until the party rests uh, they're kind of they're fired and forgotten you know the wizard does his fireball and then he can't use his fireball again until he's gone to sleep and then got up in the morning and prepared it again uh, you have you know if they've got a, a potion of healing those cost gold and they're a single use once you've drunk it it's gone and you've lost that money and you've lost that item wands staves arrows bombs all these things cost money and they're used up in the process of combat and your characters get injured they get tired they might get poisoned and they become less and less capable of fighting Uh, every scrap that the players get into that isn't the final boss fight that triggers their level up right that by completing it drains their resources and their health and all their items so it makes them less capable of taking on the final boss right So they have a powerful incentive to not explore that dark tunnel, to not get into any fights at all. The fewer fights they can get into, the fewer missteps they can take, the less exploring, the less dungeoneering they can do, the better they will be doing when they fight the final boss and and the more likely they will be to succeed. So the XB system, on the other hand, of getting experience points for just whatever you do, right? It, it rewards incidental discovery. Oh, you wandered into a room with the drow's flesh-warping vats and now three grothluts are attacking you. Good for you. Have some experience points. Getting through the battle has taught you something. You're a little stronger now. Story advancement whispers eyes on the prize. Experience points whisper get into trouble. Now, there are other influences, sure, character motivation, the possibility of finding loot, etc, etc, but levelling up is an important mechanic, and which version you play with affects the game's whole feel. Of those two philosophies, which do you think is likely to produce the better adventure? Be efficient, or 
take risks. Now, I'm stacking the deck here, of course, obviously. Uh, DMs don't write in complaining. Um, it's not intended as a slam against story advancement as a system. I'm simply using it to illustrate my point because I think the comparison to writing a novel... Do you remember writing novels? That's what we were talking about originally. I think it's suggestive, right? I think when we're starting out, most authors unconsciously take an experience point approach to writing. I'm going to follow this dark tunnel and see where it leads me because it looks interesting and oh, there might be treasure. I'll learn by doing. Yeah, I know I might get into shit. It might go wrong. I just want to find out, right? Because this gonna, I'm, it's going to teach me the skills I'll need to beat the dragon at the end. So you blunder into a giant spider's web. That ornate treasure chest that you thought was full of gold turns out to be a mimic and it bites you. You double back on yourself and crawl back to town to rest and come up with some eccentric seat of the pants solution to dealing with the puzzle that you're going to face. How are you going to get past this locked door? Fuck no. Should we try and burrow through the wall? It doesn't matter. You make it through by the skin of your teeth. You grow. But time and time again, and I've seen this with so many of my friends and people I know, when an author finishes their first novel, I see them switch from an experience point uh, philosophy to a story advancement philosophy. I know I did. I did this. And that's why I'm telling you this, right? So, so you look back and you think, wow. I had no idea what I was doing when I got here. You see all these wrong turns. You went down sort of like dead ends. You, you blundered into traps. You got badly injured and barely survived. And you go, fucking hell, I'm not going to go through that again. Not now I know what I need to be doing. So you start focusing on your goal. You think, if I can just get in, slay the dragon, then bail with the gold, I can have this done in half the time. And I'll be able to keep a lot of the stuff that I'm starting out with. I'll, uh, you think, I'm not going to make this, that's an amateur that would have kind of gone into every room. I know those rooms could be filled with danger, so I won't check them. The guards won't even know that I was there at all. So you avoid dark rooms with no obvious exits. You know from last time that sometimes they contain traps or monsters, and there's no point fighting them, because the only thing that matters in your new philosophy is killing that dragon. Everything else is just a distraction. You become resentful, nervous even, of anything that isn't carrying towards the dragon's lair. You curse your mistakes. That session you wasted battling four ogres on a narrow stone bridge over a lava pit. That wasn't your quest and you had to use up a fireball. You've wasted time. You're weaker. If you keep making mistakes like this, if you keep wandering off the track, you'll never finish. A hunger for exploration, for strength and growth through doing gets replaced by a paradigm of scarcity. You feel timid suddenly. You wonder where your money's coming from if you can't get the reward for this dragon's head. You miss secret doors because you're scared of traps. And you start thinking, fuck, maybe I'm not an adventurer at all. It seems terrifying all of a sudden. That whole kind of lust for danger and growth. Uh, has disappeared and a world of possibility becomes a world of inconvenience, frustration and threat. That next level up seems miles away and any step you take might be taking you in the wrong direction. It might be a mistake that you can't recover from. And I'm here to tell you, and I know it's hard to believe it sometimes, that novel writing uses the experience point system. 
there is no wasted work provided you're willing to learn from it. There is no wrong direction provided you're open to adventure and discovery. Every sentence you write is a crossbow bolt through the head of a goblin. A selkie deftly plucked from a jailer's belt. A gelatinous ooze flambéed as you run for your life. You're unlocking new abilities. You're boosting your strength, dexterity, wisdom and charisma. Bilbo Baggins found the One Ring by accident when he was trying to do something else. And I know in a lot of ways that whole situation turned out badly for him. But I suspect if he'd focused instead on planning an assault on Sauron, I, I realise I'm confusing the uh, the Hobbit with Lord of the Rings. Don't at me. But I'm sure if he'd focused instead on planning a direct assault on Sauron, he would never have left the Shire. The rigour and linear approach to stories encouraged by things like publishing contracts very much pushes the story advancement paradigm over the experience point paradigm. And I don't blame publishers for that. I wouldn't hand over a bag of gold pieces to some rando and say, go have some adventures. Maybe you'll come back with some loot or you'll have achieved something that helps me. I mean, it, that's nuts, right? But <sighs> the effect is to make you timid, to make you scared, and to make you feel like you can't adventure at all. But I say to you, I'm talking to you directly, friend. I say this to you, tears standing out in my eyes, my voice cracking like Scrooge on Christmas morning. Writers value your spirit of adventure. Even, even if your patrons back in the town have urgent quests and offer piles of gems. Adventure is worth so much more. Getting into trouble is what makes you strong. Wandering off course is just exploring new territory. You'll find treasure and traps and both will enrich you. Take rests when you need to. Be brave. Look out for secret doors. Slowly, slowly, through embracing that, you'll grow stronger. And one day, without even remembering quite how you learned to do it, you'll shoot fireballs from your fingers. <laughs>